Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 611 for release on Sunday, November 8th, 2020. On WaveScan today, Return to Nepal, Part 3, shortwave radio on the other Mount Everest. We'll also have Part 3 of our series on the 75th anniversary of the Voice of Vietnam and our Philippines DX Report. Well, up until the year 1936, the usage of radio on Mount Everest had been for team communications and for the release of occasional news information to Europe and to the United States. However, in 1937, there came the first occasion for a live shortwave broadcast from the mountainside. Or at least, that was the original plan, as Ray Robinson tells us. Thanks, Jeff. The Australian radio magazine Listener In, dated March 13, 1937, contains a monitoring report from Mr C. Yeoman of Black Rock in Victoria. His report in full states, Last week, that is March 1937, the German shortwave station announced that any listener giving a correct reception report on the Mount Everest expedition would receive a special QSL card if the report is sent to the broadcasting house in Berlin. The expedition would be broadcasting from Mount Everest in the 19-metre band. However, as history tells us, the German mountaineers were unable to attempt Mount Everest since only the British had access to the mountain via Tibet. Consequently, the German team transferred their interest to Nanga Parbat, which is located at the western edge of what was then Kashmir, or what is today the Diyama district of Gilgit in Pakistan. This almost isolated, rugged, snow-covered mountain on the western end of the high Himalaya is listed as the ninth highest mountain peak on Earth. The main shortwave transmitter for the German expedition was installed on the summit of a low-rise at base camp, and a mobile unit was taken up to the advance camps on the mountainside. Several news telegrams were transmitted from base camp, though the team never succeeded in transmitting a live program for broadcast from the German shortwave service in Berlin. The signal from the low-power Telefunken shortwave transmitter in Asia never propagated much further than the Himalaya, and alas, tragedy struck their expedition. They made three attempts to achieve the summit, but without success. When they reached the 23,000-foot level on their final attempt, they dug down into the frozen snow and erected their tents below snow level, with a carved stairway up out of their sunken location. Unfortunately, an avalanche during the night of June 14, 1937, killed all 16 of the expeditioners, 17 members, 9 Nepali porters, and also the 31-year-old expedition leader, Dr. Carl Vine. When base camp at the foot of the mountain learned of the tragedy, they transmitted the information on shortwave, and the British Army wireless station at Simla in India heard the news dispatch, which was then forwarded worldwide. However, even though the actual location where this tragic event occurred was the mountain called Nanga Parbat, 
the worldwide news releases still identify the location as Mount Everest. We quote the Canberra Times in Australia's capital city for Wednesday, June 23, 1937. It was revealed today that the leader, Dr. Vine, of the German expedition which is attempting the ascent of Mount Everest, perished with the members of his party when they were overwhelmed by an avalanche. Sixteen years later, there were two major expeditions on the same two Mount Everests, both during the year 1953. One was a joint British-New Zealand expedition and the other a joint German-Austrian expedition. It was at 11.30am on Friday, May 29, 1953, that New Zealander Edmund Hillary, together with Nepali Sherpa Tenzing Norgay, successfully achieved the real Mount Everest summit. It was again on a Friday, a little over a month later, on July 3, 1953, that Austrian Hermann Buhl successfully achieved the other Mount Everest summit, which in reality was Nanga Parbat in northern Pakistan. So, the Mount Everest that Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay successfully climbed was the world's tallest mountain that stands between Nepal and China. The Mount Everest that Hermann Buhl climbed was Nanga Parbat in northern Pakistan. However, it's certainly true that successfully climbing this second Everest was indeed a monumental and historical event in its own right. As before, their base camp was at the foot of Nanga Parbat, between the mountain and the very beautiful nature location, Fairy Meadow. The base camp was again the location for their Telefunken shortwave equipment, and mobile radio units were in use at various encampments on the mountain itself. By special arrangements, Radio Pakistan, Raul Pindi, broadcast two weather bulletins each day for the benefit of the mountain expedition on Nanga Parbat. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. And Adrian Peterson tells us that in March of 2020, the government of Nepal withdrew all permits for climbing Mount Everest because of the worldwide virus epidemic. However, during the month of October, Nepal canceled that prohibition and they began again to issue permits for climbing the world's highest mountain. You're listening to WaveScan from Adventist World Radio. Recently, we brought you part two of a special program aired by The Voice of Vietnam to celebrate its 75th anniversary on September 7th, 2020. Today, the final part of this documentary, Untold Stories. And how about the broadcast to announce the Paris Peace Accord from Hanoi? And how did you produce that program? Uh, how were your feelings for such special broadcasts? Well, uh, we did broadcast the Paris Peace Agreement not from Hanoi, but from Yunnan in China. Well, uh, you know, just a few days before that, uh, I was called by Mr. Lethien, and and he told me that uh, 5 o'clock tomorrow morning you need to be here. Uh, just bring a few clothes, you know, and, and, and t- tell your family that uh, you'll be going for a long time. But uh, but I don't know that where I'm going to. So, but uh, tomorrow when the, we, I came to the radio, and then uh, there is a a truck, you know, covered very, uh, you know, f- fully covered, and uh, we get into the truck, and when uh, when the covered was open, and we get out of the of the of the of the vehicle, that is already in Laokai, uh, at the border with China, 
and, and, and we cross the border and we go to Yunnan. And we settled down there and uh, two days later, Mr. Chen Lum flew a special a charter plane to Yunnan and bring you with him the text of the Paris Agreement. That's very special. Yeah, and I just <laughs> read the text. Oh. And the whole program is for the text. <laughs> okay. It, it was very lucky for, the, yeah. uh, for us uh, to speak English language. Yeah. So we have the text, already has the text. Yes, we are very lucky we didn't have to translate it. That's interesting story. I don't think many people know about the news about the signing of the Paris Agreement broadcast on VOV was aired from Yunnan, China, not from its headquarters in Hanoi. So back to the story about the winnets uh, from Cuba, Ms. Uh, Mariam Ansara. Uh, Ms. Wei, you used to uh, have an internship in Cuba back in 1971. Do you know about anything about the program that VOV asked uh, uh, Havana Radio to support us? Uh, well, at that time, I think that uh, when I still was studying uh, in Cuba, uh, a group of uh, staff from uh, Voice of Vietnam, especially Mr. Le Tien, was working in Havana with the radio Havana Cuba. And uh, every day, I think that uh, they produce one of the program, uh, especially news Uh, received from Hanoi. Yeah. And uh, they asked the staff from the Cuban um, English radio program to read the news for us. Mm. And uh, I was among nine, nine of us when we finished uh, the university and we were asked to stay and uh, three of us were sent to work with Mr. Letian for the program every day. And the rest of us were working for Radio Havana as an internship. I still remember that day, you know. Every day I, I have to, to read uh, the program for Havana in a very slow, you know, tempo so that people over there could, you know, listen to it and then, you know, make it into the text. Yeah. And so, yes. yeah, because the Cuba at that time is, is function like a relay station yes. for yes. Voice of Vietnam beaming to America. And at uh, that time, we also received a lot of letters from uh, America. Among many features on VOV, the mailbag, now the letterbox, and the Sunday show are two most favorite features of VOV's English program. Do you remember how the mailbag was created? Uh, Chị Ngo made it first, and then uh, when, when wow. Chị Ngo stopped working, I, I continued that, that job. And, uh, and later on, uh, I initiated another program called Sunday Show. Also, you know, uh, that, I make it the, yeah. the format to be more friendly, yeah. you know, and we call it a show, yeah. thing like the that. The Sunday Show is still um, yeah. the most favorite segment on BOV. And mm. what did you do at that time during a First war, uh, where do you collect the information? Well, yes, uh, I read all the letters from listeners and I pick up and selected all the talk, the question that they ask and decided which topic could be used and become, you know, the theme for each program. And I, I make a program of that, I make a plan for that. I'm planning all the question and all kind of answer you know this question need to be answered by whom and how and when and i listed it into you know like a three months ahead you know so that that is a very very exciting uh, thing to do 
because you have a listener who are you know there, you know, ready to listen to you. So the job is not impersonal. Or uh, we we are thinking, you're feeling like, well, I'm talking with that guy. You know,、mm-hmm. I even noted that oh, this is the black guy. You know. You know, seventy-two years old. That is a Spanish one, only twenty-four, and so I, I, you know, targeted my my voices and and even my、uh, my writing to that kind of target audiences. So, so that makes the job very exciting. I think very interesting. Yeah, until now, the letterbox podcast every Wednesday on BOV now every week, and.、Um, Besides the letterbox, we talk with listeners. We、uh, acknowledge their feedback.、Uh, every five years,、okay. we have a contest for listeners.、Oh. They are really, really interested in the、mm. contest, and they、yeah. said we received hundreds of letters and entries from them.、Mm. Uh, Mr. Long can talk about、um, VOV's activities and projects to attract listeners. It's been、uh, at least twenty years back、yes. when we、uh, did the first、um, competition quiz called、uh, "What Do You Know About Vietnam." It's often held every five years, and it attracted lots and lots of、uh, listeners, sending their very heavy, well-prepared entries. I remember about twenty、uh, years ago、uh, when we received about five hundred or six hundred entries、uh, with lots of input. This year, to mark the seventy-fifth anniversary, we also launched the、um, "What Do You Know About Vietnam?" quiz contest. But due to the COVID nineteen,、um, the entries、uh, was about、uh, about half of、uh, the figures that we did、uh, in previous、uh, competitions. But、um, we hope to、uh, to to announce the results、uh, in mid September, and uh, the prize uh, uh, this time we have、uh, three first、um, entries、uh, will、um, be treated、uh, with a five-day trip、uh, to Vietnam. To Vietnam, yes. And,、uh, That attracts a lot of audience to write to VOV, and I hope that、um, from the next、uh, time we、we'll、try to change、uh, the way we organize such things in order to attract more and more audiences in a more、um, multimedia manner. <laughs> to the current trend.、Uh, thank you so much for sharing with us those beautiful stories and experiences. The English service has been accompanying Vietnam's and VOV's development over the past 75 years, and with the renewal process in the 1980s, Vietnam has been more open to the world. And the number of foreigners working and living in Vietnam grew sharply in the 1990s. And the overseas service then and now VOV World decided to launch a new FM English program targeting expats living in Vietnam, in addition to existing overseas broadcasts. And Mr. Long, could you please tell us about the very first FM broadcasts? How to prepare the personnel, the content, and the program format?、Uh, well,、uh, one big turning point for VOV World Broadcasting was the launch of the、um, live FM channel for expats living and working in Vietnam. We launched our first FM program on the first of July, nineteen ninety-eight, and the channel was officially launched on the third. September 1998, initially with、mm-hmm. English and French, and later on to include、um, uh, Chinese, Japanese, and Russian. So now、yes. it has become a full-fledged 18-hour FM、uh, channel, broadcasting 105.5 FM. And you know that it's quite a big change from the traditional AM transmission、uh, overseas、mm-hmm. uh, from the. 
live FM channel. Uh, first of all, it's a lively format, the 60-minute um, program clock to include uh, fun scene, music, jingles, and uh, promos. In addition to the 105.5 FM channel, uh, we now have the English 24-7, which was launched in October 2015. Yeah, it's really a leap forward, a turning point in international broadcasting. Yeah, thank you, Long. And can you share the plan for the development of UOV overseas service? Ah, uh, yes. It all started um, back to, I think, 2011, late 2011 and early 2012, when we launched a website, vovworld.vn, with the 12 languages, including English. Yes. And it actually added uh, radio programming with live streams on the internet and with value-added texts, scripts, pictures, videos, which have been much sought after by the audiences. And we are now uh, trying to invest more and more on this. And it will be a trend for the years to come when we have to go digital and multimedia platform mm -hmm. uh, with on-demand programming, especially with the podcast, for example. Yes. And uh, mm -hmm. it will provide listeners with what they want whenever and wherever on whatever platform instead of traditional uh, fixed time timing of radio programming as in the past years. Okay, thank you Long and all our senior colleagues for joining us today and sharing with us the wonderful stories and experiences about the English service and VOV world and we wish you all the best of health and luck. Ngoc Siep and Kam Thi will close our special show for today with a beautiful tune which has been popular for many peace and anti-war movements ever since. The song is called Where Have All the Flowers Gone? Thank you for joining us and goodbye. When will they ever learn? When will they ever learn? That was the final part of a special program from The Voice of Vietnam on the occasion of its 75th anniversary in September. Well, during a personal de-expedition to Masset, On an island off the coast of British Columbia, Canada, Walter Samanu heard a program from Adventist World Radio that was on the air from a medium-wave station in Sri Lanka. This remarkable long-distance medium-wave reception was noted at 1500 UTC on 1548 kHz, and the transmitter was the 400-kilowatt unit previously operated by Deutsche Welle and now operated by the Sri Lanka Broadcasting Corporation at Trincomalee. Our regular Wayscan listener Zach Alvarez in Das Marinas, Cavite, Philippines, sends us a report saying that the defunct government AM station in Manila has returned to the air. DZRM on 1278 kHz was playing music during a test broadcast that he heard on Wednesday, October 7th. According to a radio announcer of DZRB 738 kHz, Station DZRM has become DEPED Radio of the Philippine Department of Education, DEPED, starting on Monday, October 12, 2020. Here's an air check he recorded of DZRM 1278. You're on DZRM, Rancho Magazine, 1278 kilohertz on your radio dial. 
1278-DZRN Radio Magazine. Congratulations and thank you. Your GIS, General Information Station, is your wise alternative. 1278-DZRN Radio Magazine. DZRM in the Philippines on 1278 kHz AM. Thanks to Zach Alvarez for that information and recording. Even for a country used to 20 typhoons a year, these winds were different. A super typhoon with speeds of 225 kilometers per hour battered the eastern Philippines on Sunday. In some places, gusts hit up to 310 kilometers per hour, equivalent to a Category 5 hurricane, the highest classification there is. The Philippines rushed to assess the damage on Monday, November 2nd, after Super Typhoon Goni, the world's strongest storm this year, carved a trail of devastation a day earlier. With peak winds reaching 195 miles per hour, the storm was comparable to Super Typhoon Haiyan, which killed about 6,000 people in 2013. Our correspondent, Henry Amatai in the Philippines, says that Super Typhoon Goni devastated our country on November 1st. Still, the damages are not accounted for at this time, uh, when he wrote on uh, November 2nd. Pray for all of us here that we'll be able to survive and stand again. Well, definitely, Henry. And here now is Henry's DX report for November. Hello, everyone. To our dear shortwave listeners, wherever you are, welcome to the November 8th edition of the Philippine DX. This is report number 164. I'm Henry Umade in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental Central Philippines. Glad to be back and thank you for listening. I would like to thank our DXer friends for sending the reception report most recently, Mr. Fabel Evanov in Belgorod, Russia, Mr. Zach Alvarez in Tasmarinas, Cavite, here in the Philippines, Mr. Richard Lemke in Alberta, Canada. To all of you, thank you very much. B20 frequency schedule for Radio Pilipinas Overseas Service at 0200 to 0330 UTC, 9475, 15640, and 17820 kilohertz in Filipino Pram Tinang, and at 1730 to 1930 of the Philippine Department of Education. The broadcast started last October 12, 2020 for radio-based learning delivery at 10 kilowatt radio station of the Philippine Broadcasting Service. Reception lags. October 3, KBS World Radio 9805 in addition from Kim J at 2225 SIO 343. October 4, China Radio International on 11955 in Filipino from Kunming at 1215 SIO 343, October 4, Radio Thailand World Service on 9390 in English, Pramod and Tani at 1240, SIO 5, October 5, NHK Radio Japan on 17810 in Japanese, from Tokyo Yamada at 0215, SIO 444, October 7, Radio Taiwan International and 15320 in English, from Tainan 
at 0310 SIO 555 October 25 China Radio International on 11650 in Vietnamese from Kunming at 0507 SIO 433 October 25 NHK Radio Japan and 11790 in Russian from Tokyo Yamata at 0530 SIO 444 November 1 World Harvest Radio 9965 in English from Palau at 0850 SIO555 November 1 Radio Taiwan International 11915 in Indonesian from Pauchong at 1020 SIO555 November 1 KBS World Radio 9770 in English from Kimchi at 1037 SIO333 November 1 China Radio International and 12070 in Filipino from Shan at 1144 SIO4 For, for November 1, HJB Australia on 11.825 in English from Kununura at 12.11, SAO 3.33 November 1, Adventist World Radio on 11.990 in English from Guam at 22.16, SAO 5.45 November 1, BBC World Service on 7.300 in English from Al Sela Oman at 22.27, SAO 4.54 November 1, FFBS Radio on 12.055 in Mool. From Bukawi at 23.21, SIO444, November 1, China Radio International on 11.990. In Kamir, from Nanning at midnight 23, SIO555. November 1, China Radio International on 13.770. In Vietnamese, from Shan at midnight 06, SIO555. And October 30, China Radio International on 9535. In English, from Kunming. At 2310 SIO555, send us your comments, suggestions, reception logs, and information to PilipinasDX at Chiaho.com. That's P-I-L-I-P-I-N-A-S-D-X for PilipinasDX at Chiaho.com. This has been Henry Umaday for Wavescan in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental, Central, Pilipinsay, Mabuhay, at maraming salamat po. And we end today's edition of Wavescan with some Philippine folk music, a song called Kuratsa. Thanks for listening to Wavescan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, half a century with Radio Nepal on shortwave and our Bangladesh DX report. Several QSL cards are available. For WaveScan, send your AWR and KSDA reports for this program to the AWR address in Bangkok, Thailand, and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa, or to IRRS Italy, or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program. They will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs, that is transmissions of Adventist World Radio from AWR stations, is qsl at awr.org. And their postal address is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, 
Bangkok 10110, Thailand. Again, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to Wavescan, non-reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at Shortwave Station WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone.